Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this Monday afternoon on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined on the phone by JP Ong. Now, today, before the lunch break, it looked like most of the region was kind of sort of in the green. Are we still kind of sort of in the green, JP? Well, fortunately, that's the strong start to the day has sustained itself in the afternoon, Clarissa. Monday afternoon and just a few minutes off of the lunch break. Uh, we are seeing that the straight times index is still solid, and they're up by about 41 points. So it's a pretty uh, impressive start, at least, to the new trading week. And mind you, the last trading week of the month of May, 2,541 is where we're sitting. Keep in mind that last week we actually dipped a touch below 2,500. So this is a bit of a, a rebound of some sorts, at least, for the local benchmark. And also, as you mentioned, in lockstep with the rest of the region, uh, in this very bright market, especially when you compare it to how strongly markets have, uh, and equities and stocks across the region have reacted, Clarissa. As we mentioned, the Straits Times Index up by more than 40 points in today's session. And in lockstep with the rest of the region, take a look at the ASX 200 in Australia, uh, jump, rising by about 2%, 110 points in the green. Shanghai and Shenzhen both are seeing gains. Shenzhen outperforming their counterpart in Shanghai. They're up by 1.5%, but Shanghai uh, rising by about 0.7%. The Kospi in South Korea also trading 1.5% higher. You've got the Taiwan-weighted stock exchange in Taipei also 1.4% in the green. And the Hang Seng even looking very strong after that collapse on Friday, uh, 1.9% and about 4 to 27 points higher. They're now at 23,380 points. Um, there are, there's a lot of reasons as to why markets are shrugging off these rising U.S.-China trade tensions and ongoing COVID-19 fears. As we know that the, uh, that the relations between China, Beijing and Washington, D.C. continue to deteriorate, especially after uh, mainland China passed at the National People's Congress that, uh, that new uh, security, the national security law that's meant to try and temper uh, violent activity and uh, protests out in Hong Kong. Of course, this was met with a strong rebuke by pro-democracy activists in, in Hong Kong and has led to a lot of uncertainty about Hong Kong's status as a global financial center. And uh, the U.S. also recently raising, um, uh, adding another 33 uh, Chinese uh, companies into the foreign entity blacklist that they have. China said that they're going to retaliate. So there's still a lot of things actually out there. But right now, I think what's trumping a lot of these other concerns is the fact that there are a number of key reopening economies, and none more so than Japan's. Um, we didn't talk about the Nikkei 225, and I'm saving the best for last year, Clarissa. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has jumped by 2.4%. This after uh, the government in Japan has announced that they will begin to ease or start to uh, unwind the lockdown on Tokyo, on Tokyo. So we're talking about the third largest economy that's doing their biggest move to ease current lockdowns to contain the COVID-19 pandemic there. There are a number of, uh, of reports that are pointing out to the fact that Japan, despite not being as strict with their lockdown measures, actually managed to keep some of the, uh, the spread and the outbreak of COVID-19 there to a reasonable uh, rate that's not as high or, or not surging as compared to, say, other co- countries out in the West or even here in in Asia, um, the fact that we're seeing some of these big economies starting to reopen uh, is lending a lot of confidence to uh, to the region. And mind you, also lest we forget that come June second, um, Singapore is set to start slowly but surely easing our own circuit breaker measures. Now it's not a complete uh, unraveling of the the measures. It's it's more it's more akin to somebody loosening 
your belt by about a notch, right? And just letting some of the uh, economic activity resume here in Singapore, given the fact that there's also signs that the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the cases are starting to show signs of just uh, stabilizing a bit. We're not out of the woods yet at all, but this could uh, unleash some much-needed support, at least, and some much-needed economic activity. At this point, if there's any sign of an economy in the world that's going to significantly loosen some of these lockdown measures, it's being cheered and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, being uh, uh, you know, seen as a source of optimism, at least, for global markets. And that's probably one of the reasons why, or one of the main reasons, why markets here in the region, especially in Japan, uh, and here in Singapore, to be honest, are doing fairly well and actually reacting quite positively. It's all on hope and also the fact that we're starting to see some of these very tight and stringent measures that were necessary start to really um, uh, loosen slowly but surely at different paces, but slowly, but uh, loosening nevertheless. I find it very interesting, too, with Japan, that one of the things that they are, are trying to do is to tell travelers, to tell tourists that once the borders start to open, they'll help pay for some of our cost of the vacation if we commit to traveling on vacation to Japan. Yes, I, I did read about that uh, article. As you know, um, as some of our listeners might know there, I did have a trip to Japan cancel that I canceled at the last minute in late February when cases started to rise. Um, so nevertheless, that also piqued my curiosity. Um, there are um, there are reports now that are saying that Japan has extended uh, though the, the 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 ban on travel from major countries across the world, including countries that have um, seen that that have been heralded as being as able to control and bring down the spread of COVID nineteen in their perspective countries. So we don't expect uh, travel to Japan to happen anytime soon. But again, we're talking about a country of about 120, 125 million people, a um, big, uh, massive domestic economy, and also the world's third largest economy. So if Japan starts to loosen some of these restrictions and, and some much needed economic activity comes back to life, that's going to be better than nothing uh, for them. And things could just keep ramping up if, uh, if, uh, if things stabilize for the long term and they start to open up their borders. This could just be the start of, uh, of a gradual um, recovery or resumption, at least, of economic activity for Japan. But they're still facing a lot of these recession pressures. Japan is officially in a recession at the moment. Um, and it's going to take a while for their economy, economies across the world, to really recover. But any signs of being able to stabilize or just even return to some half sense of quarter sense of normalcy, I think, is going to be cheered by the markets also. And uh, something similar could happen happen in Singapore if uh, if the uh, if the phase one easing of these measures actually leads to a smooth transition back into some sense of normalcy here, which I think a lot of folks would be very relieved to have. Okay, well, one you brought up the that scary word recession. Singapore is certainly staring at uh, a very nasty recession forecast for 2020. Mm-hmm, yes, and uh, they have revised the uh, recession outlook and downward. That is, uh, pre- uh, they they are now forecasting a deep, a deeper uh, contraction in the country's economy. It's now going to fall by between negative four to negative seven percent for the entire year, at least according to the Ministry of Trade of Industry. Now, some slight good news, I guess, if you could call it that, and uh, as uh, as has been the status quo, the modus operandi over the last few months, you're just really trying to scrape for any signs of positive news. The final first quarter GDP figures were actually not as bad as we thought. Um, keep in mind that when the, when the uh, preliminary numbers came out sometime in early April, they actually said that the first quarter GDP fell by about negative 2.2%. 
Um, the final print actually revealed that the first quarter GDP actually shrank by only negative 0.7%. So that's a big improvement. They actually said because when they factored in some of that manufacturing activity they saw in the month of March, it was actually better than expected. Um, the supply chains uh, that were running through Singapore were not impacted as hard. And, uh, and there was actually a strong demand, at least, for semiconductors and some of these other manufacturing uh, items and biopharmaceutical products. Uh, no surprise there. So there, there was some scant, um, uh, I guess, optimism there. But the, wor- the worry now is that um, because the circuit breaker measures were extended by another month, uh, which was this month, actually, this is going to lead to an even deeper contraction for the economy and might make things uh, more difficult, at least, uh, to, uh, you know, it might make efforts to revive and try to, re- and try to foster a recovery here even more difficult. They're also foreshadowing that the uh, that non-oil domestic exports are going to fall by as much as negative four percent this this year, um, despite April's very impressive numbers, where we saw NODX jump by nine point seven percent. So the outlook is still very good, uh, dim, and I think this also makes the later the announcement later on by Deputy Prime Minister Heng Swee Keat about the Fortitude budget even more important and even more interesting at least for many folks here because the question now is okay if the outlook's going to be bad well what are we going to do about it and what kind of actions can we expect at least from some of our leaders some of our uh, some of our business leaders and economic leaders here in singapore um hopefully uh hopefully we can get more details when that package is revealed uh, at uh, at deputy prime minister heng's uh, um uh, address later on at 3.30, which will be carried live, by the way, on Money FM 89.3. Yes, he, has, right. uh, he has indicated that this fortitude budget will concentrate on businesses that are not being allowed to open yet in phase one, but also um, that will be a part of it that is dedicated to the social services because there is an understanding more people are going to need help. People who normally would have been okay prior to our circuit breaker prior to COVID-19 being what it is. Yes, true. And uh, they've also mentioned that there's going to be a stronger focus, at least, on supporting jobs here and making sure that the folks who see their jobs facing a lot of uncertainty and possible retrenchments are going to have some support. This was also supported by a press conference by the Ministry of Manpower earlier today, where um, the Manpower Ministry said that there is considerable uncertainty that the country has to be prepared for possible retrenchments. Um, the only, and, and again, that, that begs the, the very obvious question after that is, well, what, can, uh, what kind of measures can the Singaporean government uh, uh, do or enact to try and mitigate some of these unfortunate uh, job losses if they are impending and coming at us in the near, near or mid, midterm future? It's making a lot of people, honestly, very anxious, and we can understand that. It's also making a lot of uh, uh, folks here also trying to reconsider, well, how do we plan for this? And some sort, some form of stability, or perhaps even a policy address at this possible, at this uh, potential re- um, wave of retrenchment is going to be much welcome. But again, we won't know any of these details until Deputy Prime Minister Heng Swee addresses the nation later at three thirty, as you mentioned. I think all ears will be on that uh, budget delivery. All right, now Comfort Delgro. Before I let you go, their Q one sure. net profit not not looking so great either. You know, we're, we're, we're just seeing the victims right now of COVID-19. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we, a few months ago, uh, part of one of our enduring conversations was that when we started to do an economic accounting of what the impact of COVID-19 will be on the economy and also on some of these big businesses, large and small, we might see we, uh, this could actually, uh, you know, 
this could actually lead to even more downside for markets or, or even more uncertainty because the the the, the, um, the impact could be actually be staggering. Take a case in point, Comfort Delgro, no surprises there that they saw net profit for their from January to March slumped by almost 49%. They only made 36 million Singapore dollars from January to March. And again, no surprises here and no prizes for people who can guess why. The weak ridership was seen during this month because of the induced lockdowns in the markets in which they operate. And keep in mind that public transport has also been a, source, uh, a cause for concern from uh, citizens who are worried that maybe they could catch the COVID-19 disease if they're traveling in these closed quarters. And this was in their business update that they actually uh, um, announced. And they said and they did add that various countries are now making plans to unravel some of their lockdowns, uh, but that a recovery is expected to be rather gradual. They're also warning that for the first six months of this year, when they come out with their first half uh, results, the lockdowns in Singapore, Australia, and the United Kingdom, which are their three major uh, uh, markets, will significantly hit their performance. For instance, and uh, this is uh, quite staggering also, Sing- in Singapore, public bus and rail ridership figures have fallen by 70 to 75% during this entire circuit breaker period. So imagine what that's going to, what, how that hurts uh, Comfort Delgro moving forward. Um, they did report, though, that revenues for the first quarter slid by 9% year on year. And this is something that uh, that Maybank Kim Eng's analysts actually pointed out, is that uh, the one thing that's going for Comfort Delgro, at least, is that most of their business revenues are derived from these bus contract models that they that they sign with governments such as Singapore, Australia, and the United Kingdom. So come, you know, uh, come rain or shine, basically, the uh, it's not dependent on how many people ride their services. It's dependent on the contracts that they've signed with these governments. So they said that, if, for instance, every month, additional month of circuit breaker, let's just say, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, it's, it's far from the case, let's say that circuit breakers were extended by another month, you, you will see net profits in at uh, Comfort Delgro fall by about 0.1%, which isn't really that big. It's almost like a flick on the wrist in some sense. And that sort of, that's protected by their contract, uh, uh, by the, uh, the, the, the bus contract models that they have. Nevertheless, we already saw that despite that, first quarter profit still fell by about 49%. And this is going to be one of those companies here, the transportation industry, that's going to feel long-term and lingering effects from the COVID-19 um, economic uh, wrath or, or whiplash, for lack of a better term. Right. Okay. So you are definitely going to have your ears on the Fortitude budget at three thirty, yeah. and I'm everyone will. Everyone in Singapore will absolutely. And I'm going to assume that at that point you'll come back on prime time with uh, assessments of how that might assist. Uh, well, we'll be taking a look at the at the market uh, the market reaction to the Fortitude budget. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is a chance that this could actually change either for better or worse market sentiment. We'll have about a, a little over an hour of trading when the uh, when the when when the Fortitude budget budget is expected to wrap up or the announcement is. And at 5:40 p.m. on prime time, we're going to be joined by Mr. Song Sing Wun, the economist at CIMB Private Bank. Um, he'll be uh, with us to share his reactions to the first quarter GDP figures, the GDP outlook moving forward, and the 42 budget, how this all will shape Singapore's economic outlook and whether this will lead to a faster or more sluggish recovery for this country's economy. All right, a lot to uh, look out for on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.